0: Well, good morning, church. It's good to be together with you. I want to welcome you to Next Community Church, especially if, if you're a guest or a visitor at first time with us, thank you so much for being here. My name's Joe, one of the pastors here, and we just want to extend a warm welcome to you and say we're honored that you're here. And um, we 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 believe that we're in a, a kind of honestly a special season for us as as next community church. Technically, we're a church that's eight months old. Um, But I I believe this season that we're in is a defining moment for us that is going to kind of show us the trajectory of where we're going in the future. And, And really what I'm trying to share with you over the month of March in our series here called Rise Up is what we believe God is inviting us into. What we believe God is saying really to the church and what does it mean to be the church for such a time as this that's what we talked about last week. We talked about what if everything that is happening with the craziness of everything in the world, that God has positioned his people, his body, the church, here for such a time of this to bring the hope and the love and the light of Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately needs it. And that's what we believe God is inviting us to do. And... Um, I asked you last week to do three things. I, I, I said, I'm going to ask you to, to stop and to seek the Lord in this season. I believe this is a spiritual season that we're in, but it's also going to be a financial season that we're in to, to take steps of faith and to be stretched. So um, I'm, not, I'm not going to arm twist you or anything. I'm just going to invite you to just talk to the Lord about this. And the second thing I want you to do is listen to what he says, try to develop spiritual ears. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would begin to speak to your spirit and that you wouldn't just have a conversation with yourself, but you'd have ultimately a conversation with God. And then the last step, which is often the most hard step, the most difficult step, is to just obey what He says. And I think when we do that, we're going to see God show up and do mighty things. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and and watch the screens for a minute. I think the reality is, is that we're in a super unique and special season of Next Community Church's very short history. But I I really do believe that uh, this season is gonna be critical um, and and shape the future of our church. I remember seven years ago when we were moving from the old, small, stinky, 4-H gym into this building. We thought it was such an upgrade such a beautiful thing, but it was going to be kind of really way beyond us. And, and frankly, there were some giants in the land that, in our promised land that we just... We needed God to overcome, right? We had um, we had financial issues, and the, the the upgrades and the the fit out it was going to take to take this office building and try to make it into a church, and we had uh, uh, things with the township that needed to be approved, and we had parking lot issues, and I wrote it down. There was a list of six different things that God had to do, and and wouldn't you know it, seven years ago, God knocked down every single one of the potential obstacles, right? And so and so now here we are seven years later and and God is leading us to now to now stay here. It's gonna require the whole body to really rally around this eternal perspective of investing into god's kingdom and and the mission of staying here and reaching this community so yeah there's a couple more giants that are in front of us here and and yet we believe that our god's a giant slayer and now church we just get to be a part of watching that you and i get to kind of in a sense watch god knock down giants uh, own in the building and and us being able to use all of the upstairs it, it opens up lots of opportunities and one of the opportunities that over the last couple of weeks of we as we've been thinking and praying and really just seeking God and saying how do we use this space right because ultimately the the building is a tool to accomplish the mission um and I'm so excited about this. I think it's it's an incredible opportunity is for us to bring in a Christian school that's going to be upstairs, um, Deep Creek Learning Center, and, and in our building will be the next generation of kids learning and growing and being equipped in a, in, a, in a great environment, a safe environment with people that are committed to shaping the minds and the hearts of the next generation. The other thing it's gonna let us do is downstairs we're going to be able to open up this downstairs especially when you walk in the building right off to the right the plan right now is to open up that curved wall and and make that elementary area our lobby our coffee bar and then we're going to take the elementary kid area and move that upstairs into the new area that we're having so our kids will have a brand new new and improved space upstairs as well for those in first through fifth grade and so now is a great time um, where I think God is inviting us to, to take this next step. Uh, he's clearly been at work here. Uh, it's been so exciting to watch him be at work. And, and now God's giving us the opportunity to take this step of faith. I think it's going to be a spiritual journey for us as a church, a time for us to, to kind of just stop and think about some big questions in life, like where are we going and why are we here and why are you here and how do I play a part in God's bigger plan? And I, I'm so excited because I think Next Community Church gets to be a part of all of that. now we believe this season is the time for us to rise up and i guess to re- open up that container and release the hope that is jesus christ to the world and so again being here being in this town in this building it's just going to give us a, a, a base of operations to bring that hope to the world to be the church more than ever before, our world desperately needs it. You know, I mentioned in that video that the the multiple giants that were kind of in the land for us to to move from the 4-H building, where which is where we spent the first five years as a church, setting up, tearing down. We had a team that showed up at six o'clock every Sunday morning, set up the chairs and the stage and the lights and all that, and a team that stayed after second service while everyone else went out to lunch. They stayed and they tore it all back down again. We did that for five years every Sunday, and uh, and I remember when we were moving in here, it was like, you know, it was like a promised land. It was it was something that, but it was something that was so beyond us, right? And and there, there, like the financial um, number, it was more than double of what we were doing. And we are like, there's just no way. There's just no way. I didn't want to take this reckless step of faith with the, with the church. Um, and then God just showed me it wasn't reckless. And he actually took the number that it was going to cost us to move in here and cut it in half. God did that. We, we couldn't do that. God did that. And then uh, it, was a, it, was an, it was an office building. You were sitting in where offices were and uh, it wasn 't zoned for a church, and then we had to get approval through the township and and they approved it for for us to to rezone and to be a church and Um, And then we didn't have enough parking spots, and we needed to add to the parking, and they actually approved parking, and then we're like, well, we don't even have money to put in. You wouldn't think it, but it costs a lot of money to put in parking lots, and so the owner of the building said, I'll pay for it. He put in 40 new parking spots, and it was like just one thing after another. We were getting in here, we're like, all right, how are we going to turn this thing into into a church, and one of you took took days, days, and, and wrote a proposal, and, and we received a grant of $100,000 that was given to us to do the fit out and the renovation, and, and then many of you skilled laborers came in, some of you not so skilled, you still came in and, and helped us, helped, we let you paint the, the, the closets in the corners and stuff like that, and and, but it was, we all kind of got into the building here together, and this is where it's been our home the last seven years, and it's been... God has been so good. He's been so faithful. And, and, and yet now, here we are with like the next season that's right in front of us. And, um, and I shared with you last week, I want to just remind you again, that our, our leadership as elders, we have felt the Lord over these last six months we just felt the Lord impress upon our hearts four things. We felt like God was saying to us when we kind of said, next community church, what are we going to be? What are we going to do? We felt like he said four things. The first thing we, I told you last week, felt like he said, stay here. Stay and skip back. This is where you started. Put down roots. Be here, right? And the second thing that we felt like he said is not only stay here, but buy this building. Stay and let this be your home. Don't try to go someplace else, but but stay here, um, which is which is. I told you it's kind of, kind of upside down and backwards in my mind that we're buying a building that's already too small for us. But that's what part of the vision that we believe that God has given us. Because one, number three, we want to be involved in the community. We want to be a church that is more about helping and serving and giving and loving than taking, right? So we're going we're gonna to be the hands and feet. And we're going to try to figure out more ways to now that we're here to put a permanent stake in the ground and love and serve this community where God has us. And then what do you do when you buy a building that's too small as you say, well, we we're, we're either say we're not going to reach any more people. This is it. Us four, no more. Or we say we're going to be intentional and multiply. We're going to start new churches. We're going to plant churches. And what would it look like to bring a church planter on board for a year and send a team, some of you? That's how we started 12 years ago that would go down maybe to East Norton or out to Royersford, out to Pottstown, wherever it is that God leads us. And so that's, that's the vision and that's the plan of what it means to be a church that's going to rise up, and, and be an answer to all of the problems that are in the world. We know the answer. It's Jesus Christ, ultimately. And so, uh, this week, I was, I was reminded of David in the Old Testament, who was also beginning a new season in Israel's history. Um, they had, they had kind of come into the Promised Land, and, and they had been there a while now. And David's like, God needs a house, and And it was on David's heart to build God a temple, to build God's house. And uh, up to this point, they were using the the portable tent, uh, the t- portable tabernacle that Moses used. If you remember the story when they came out of Egypt and Moses is leading them around for 40 years, they set up this portable, he called it the tent of meeting, and, and it was portable. They could pack it up and then take it with them when they went. And for 400 years, now fast forward 400 years till you get the king David, David and Goliath, David, that guy. For 400 years, they've been still using this portable tent. To offer sacrifices, and that's where the priest operated out of. And David's like, God needs a permanent house, and so God came to David and said, "You're not going to build me my house. Your boy is. Your son is. That's going to be Solomon's job." And and so that's uh, the story takes place in 1 Kings chapters five, six, and seven. It's it's an unbelievable um, you know architecturally um, feat that Solomon did here to build this. This temple in 1 Kings chapter 5, it says this. This is Solomon speaking. He says, So I'm planning to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, my God, just as he instructed my father David that I should do. For the Lord had told him, Your son, whom I will place on your throne, he will build the temple to honor my name. All right? And so Solomon's first job as king of Israel is to lead Israel into this new season to be like, we're building God a house. And, and he didn't hold back, and he didn't cut corners, right? And so the next three chapters kind of describe it. I'll just kind of read to you a couple of verses here. 1 Kings five thirteen. it says this, then King Solomon, somebody help me with the math, add this up as we go, all right? King Solomon enlisted 30,000 laborers from all of Israel And then he sent them north up into Lebanon. That's where all the good trees were, right? So that was where they were going to cut down the trees from Lebanon. He sent them up there in shifts, 10,000 every month, so that a man would be one month up in Lebanon and then two months at home, right? And so he kind of just rotated the the tree workers to go up there, 30,000 of them. Uh, Ram was in charge of this labor force, Solomon also enlisted 70,000 common laborers and 80,000 stonecutters in the hill country and then 3,600 foremen to supervise all this. And at the king's command, the stonecutters quarried and shaped costly blocks of stone for the foundation of the temple. So did somebody do the math? He had 30,000, 70,000, 80,000, 180. 183,600 people. In other words, a lot of people were involved in this thing. And that's what it's going to take for us to move forward. I, I, don't, I, I hope that it's not just like a handful of you like, yeah, I'm in. Let's rise up. Let's do this. And like half of the church is like, eh, I don't know. It's going to take all of us, church. It's going to take all of us to, to be in um, what Solomon ended up building it was, it was beautiful. They have it, all the dimensions and stuff are given. You can go you can find you know pictures of it and um, that, that big basin there was the basin where they would wash before they did the ceremony. That altar there is is the altar where they would sacrifice you know it, you 'd bring your your, sacri- your lamb right because uh, God instituted that to atone for your guilt and your sins because you were guilty. Uh, God would let you offer a lamb in its place. And so the priest would put his hands on the lamb and like in essence transferring the sins of you and the guilt of you onto the lamb. And they would sacrifice the lamb on the altar on your behalf. And and it was a beautiful foreshadowing of of Jesus who would come. Remember John the Baptist came and and saw Jesus said, behold the Lamb of God, right? The final sacrifice that would lay his life on an altar and die for the sins of the entire world, right? So that's, it was, it was unbelievable. And then you head to the next picture. It was, it was big. It was huge, right? This is, this is the courtyard around the temple. Um, if you ever read the Psalms or you ever sang, you know, we will enter his courts with praise. That's the courts that you, you'd, you'd come in singing praise as you approach temple, singing the courtyard uh, of, of praises of, of God. And so, um, I mean, it took seven years to build and um, converting the currency from then to today's standards. It cost anywhere from three to six billion dollars with a B to build the temple unbelievable. Our project is going to be much less, okay? So let me, yeah, you clap for that. So let me, let me share with you a little bit as some of the specifics, so I want you all to be in with us, and, and what we've been working on the last couple months is we've sensed God say, stay here, buy this building, and trying to figure it all out, and, and be good stewards, we take it real seriously, and want to tell you everything that we know at this point in full transparency, here's where we're at, so that you can know, so that you can do the three things, there's no arm twisting here, there's no begging, there's no pleading, I'm going to keep asking you to do three things, sit with God, talk with him, listen, Listen to what he says. And then the third thing is just obey. That you would do that. That's why this really is a faith journey. Right? This is a faith journey. And this is not like pastor speak to be like, "Nah, come on, man. You, it's really about money in the building. And I'm like, no, it's really not. Because here's, I told you last week, I had this conversation with God already. I know everything is in the world he owns, it really does belong to him. I cannot twist your arm or change your heart. And it's going to be God. I think what's going to happen is, If you're willing to take a step of faith, remember last week we talked about it's going to require faith and sacrifice. That's why we see big things happen in the Bible with our big God, because he's looking for people that have big faith and are willing to sacrifice. And if if we're not willing to live by faith or we're not willing to sacrifice, then you get kind of ho-hum, lukewarm, casual kind of religiosity Christianity with no life or no power. And so, my, honestly, church, my heart for you is let's, let's go on a faith journey together. And nothing stretches our faith like God talking to us about our finances. And so, um, here's, here's, what, here's the plans for our building. Here's what we know, okay? First, I want to talk to you about the difference between renting and buying and why we think, just even from a financial sense, it makes sense to buy. The rent, uh, our lease is up April 30th coming up in in a month and a half. Um, So if we are to renew our lease and continue to rent this building like we currently do, the cost is going to be $283,000 a year, okay? If we move forward to buy this building and we're able to put 15% down as a down payment, just like you do when you buy a house, you gotta have a down payment. If we put 15% down, our monthly payments will come out to $241,000 a year or save us forty one thousand dollars every year. so in, in five years we'll save over two hundred thousand dollars just by buying, not to mention, instead of in a sense throwing money away by renting, now building equity and and paying down the mortgage, okay so um, just from that sense it makes it 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 makes sense, but when we buy the building, then we own the whole building. Right now we use the downstairs in the small part of upstairs. We'll own all of the building. And so uh, I mentioned in, in the video about the other 8,000 square feet that is upstairs that we would be able to bring in Deep Creek Learning Center, which is an amazing school. It's led by two of our own. I won't embarrass them, but they're standing right there. And sitting right there, John, John and Aaron Decker are, are, are people that have kind of stepped out and they're leading this, this amazing Christian school. And, and so what, how cool would it be especially especially if you're kind of following a little bit about everything that's just going sideways. And, and not all public schools are evil. Not all public teachers are evil. But man, it just feels like there's this, this move. I'm like, for, to us to have a place for families to put their kids that are just, you know, it's safe and, and that the, the administrators are, have the same values that we have. So uh, that would be an awesome blessing. You need to pray for that. You need to pray for that because apparently... The zoning of what it means to be a church is not the same zoning as what it means to put a school in. And so now they're kind of with the township and trying to figure out how to get this variance and how to get approval. Pray for God's hand and favor. It's another giant in the land. Like, God, you're just going to have to take care of that, that that would work out. We would love to do that. Um, it would work out. We can give them a, a, good, a good rate to, to be upstairs, and that brings in um, income for the church to, to, to sublease that. And so in doing that, it would open up another $109,000 a year that we would then be able to use for ministry that we would be able to, well, let me just tell you that. So you add those two numbers together. If we buy, we get the rental income and 41. Go ahead, throw that next one up if you would. It saves us 100, I didn't want to do the math on the fly, $151,000 a year, a year. You're like, um, what ministry could we do with that, church? Um, we could, we, could, we could hire this renew ministry director to lead our regen and, and hope and healing and conquer and so much more that we want to do with marriage mentoring and, and, and grief share and divorce care and so many other ministries that we want to start. We just need someone to lead this. We could hire that. We're, we're, right now, we're praying about missions and where God's calling us. We could support missions and missionaries and where God's calling us to go. We're, we're trying to now start thinking about if we're going to be intentional about being involved in the community, About having a position that's basically like a community outreach liaison. Somebody that has the pulse of the community and here's the needs of the community. How can the church build that bridge into the community and and serve and love and care and be involved? And when there's a need in the community, the church responds and the church actually acts as a hospital for the sick. That's what Jesus came. That's what Jesus said. I didn't come for the healthy, He said, I come for the sick that we would be able to go and be that. It just opens up doors. We'd be able to start a church. It costs money to start a church. you got to bring on a pastor, let him build a team, and then you've got to kind of find a place, and you got to. Like, and we'd be able to now start be able to save money to plant our first church in the next three years or so. And so it would just open up the door. This is all just what makes sense to just stay here and buy. And so that's what we're going to do. By God's grace, we're going to stay here and we're going to buy this building. You say, well, how are you going to do that? So here's, here's what we know, and here's where I want you to k- keep listening and keep being willing to pray. Okay? We know the purchase price of the building is $3.2 million. Okay? Go ahead and throw it out. It's, we're we're going to try and raise all of it. That's the goal. It's a God-sized goal. I, I, will, tell you, I will tell you, honestly, we, um, when, you, when churches and nonprofits try to do big capital campaigns like this, um, there's outside firms that we've, we've contracted with a Christian firm. They help churches and nonprofits, uh, figure out how to do this. And you, they come in, they study you, your church, your growth rate. They, you give them your books. They look at the books, the giving trends, all that kind of stuff. They look at the area, the analysis and all that. And they came back and they said, we think that you can raise 1.3 million to 2 million. And, and I humbly said to them, you don't know our people, That's, 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 that's what your numbers say. But I I think we've got a big God and I think our people are in and ready to go. So we're going to, we're going to go for it all. I asked him, I said, why would we not try to raise 3.2? That's what it costs. He said, well, the only downside would be if you only raise two, which according to our numbers is amazing, the people would be disappointed. I said, y'all won't do that. I said, plus, I think we're going to raise more than two. And so, um, but that's the purchase price, $3.2 million dollars. The, the, way that, the way that we raise that is this, this campaign goes, some of you have maybe been a part of this in your previous churches, is you take that and you break it up over three years. Over three years, what would it look like for you to, by faith, and this is where we're asking you, church, just to step by faith. It's a spiritual journey to step by faith and sacrifice and to say, I'm going to, over and above whatever it is that you normally give here, Right, if you normally give $100, you, you you can't take that 100 and just be like, "Oh, I'll just put it in our new building fund." That, that won't work cuz now we can't pay the bills cuz y'all just switched over, right? So, it's got to it's got to be over and above what you know. That's just where our faith comes in and sacrifice comes in to help fuel the mission of what God's inviting us into. See, we're all going to be a part of this. And so, what would it look like over the next 3 years to to take this step of faith? I I don't want you to come up with a number. I'm not asking you to come up with a number. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Sit with God and listen and then obey what he says, whatever that is, that you'd be willing to do that. And I'm asking, because what, what, what will happen is, and this is what our human tendency will be, and Dana and I, we've already started this. We had a head start. I knew this was all coming, so we've already started. It's easy to open up your books and look and be like, well, we can do this. And you know what we'll get when everybody does that? will get the best of what man can produce. And the Bible is full of stories of what God can produce. But it it requires people not looking at what they can do. It requires people stepping out in faith and saying, God, we're going to step out in faith and you got to show up because faith is the difference between what you can do and what God can do. Faith is that spot in the middle. And so what I... Don't want us to do, and this is what we started doing, is just to end up with the best that we can do. And so I'm inviting you to go on this journey. And it's going to be a faith journey. That's why I'm saying this. It really is going to be a spiritual journey. And ultimately, we need you to come up with two numbers. Because we close on May 2nd. We have a signed agreement of sale, and we have a closing date of May 2nd. And so May 2nd, we need to sit down with the bank and um, we have three options on how we can do that. So we need a down payment. So let me share with you how we can move forward. Here's option number one. Option number one is actually getting financed by the owner of this building. He said, "I know you, and we've paid him every month for the last seven years, um, and so he's willing to take a down a 10% down payment, but at a higher interest rate than." is currently standard right now, 6%. So that would cost us, that means May 2nd, we would need $320,000. Option two, which is the option I would rather move towards, which is we need 15% down, but we get a point and a quarter less on an interest rate, 4.75. We need 480,000 though to bring to the table, but that will end up saving us, option two ends up saving us over $26,000 a year because we're paying that much less in interest. So again, we have an opportunity to save money that's rather than pay a, a mortgage to turn around and use it for ministry, to fuel the vision of what God's given us. Well, last week, I shared all this with some of our leaders. And, um, and somebody suggested there's a third option, that rather than we go to the bank and we have to borrow money, what if option number three everybody here at Next, just between now and May 2nd, oh, just oh, oh. kind of gave, and, and, and we just like, we don't need a bank, and we don't need a mortgage, and thank you, Mr. Owner of the building, but here's what our people did, because they have big faith in our big God, 3.2 million. And what I would love to do is go back to the financial experts that are coaching us and say, you thought we could only raise 1.3 to 2. Look what our people did, right? Because we got a big God. And that, that will be a miracle. I don't know about you. I believe that our God does miracles but it will take a church of willing to rise up and live by faith and sacrifice. And so, um, so when you walk out of here today, every person, just take one per family if you would. I think that's all we have. You're going to get these two things. This is a brochure that basically explains everything that I just said, right? So you'll get this brochure. And then you're going to get this commitment card that we're going to ask you at the end of the month, to bring back. And on this commitment card, I'm asking you to bring it back after you've spent the next three weeks praying about it. Again, this is what I want you to pray. And uh, we're going to ask you to write down two numbers on here. Number one number is over the next three years, over and above, here's what by faith we're going to give. Over and above, what we're going to give in the next three years. All right? Um, and then the second number is part of that, is come, we're just going to call it Commitment Sunday, when everyone brings these back. You bring that money for a first fruits offering for this down payment coming up in the next month. And um, and you bring what the Lord puts on your heart to do. And we'll talk more about it in the next week or two to come, but you're going to get one of these on the, on the way out. And so ultimately, all of this is going to be a, a, a stretch of faith, a step of faith and. Um. Here's my prayer for you next. I'm praying for you, for all of us, that we would not miss this eternal opportunity that's before us. And we, you can, you can miss it. Um, Israel missed it. Israel missed the opportunity. Have you seen? Have you seen pictures of the Jewish Temple? You're like, wait, that's not a Jewish temple. You're right, it's not a Jewish temple. It's the Dome of the Rock. It's a a Muslim mosque. That inscribed on the walls of this Muslim mosque are these words, God has no son, there is no trinity, Jesus is merely a messenger, and Jesus is not yet raised from the dead. You're like, why why are you showing us a picture of this Muslim mosque in Jerusalem? Because this Muslim mosque sits on the very location where Solomon's temple was built. It sits on the Temple Mount. And you want to know why there's such crazy conflict over there? Because in 691 A.D., this was completed on the very site where the temple of the Jewish faith sat. Why? Why did did that happen? Well, remember I, I, I told you when we did our Bible timeline that that eventually God's people started rebelling against God and God rose up prophets to say stop it, stop it, stop it and they didn't listen and God let the Babylonians come in in 586, the Babylonian empire came in and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple took them off into exile for 70 years, and then the Persians come in, and they let the Jewish people return home, and Ezra comes back, and Nehemiah comes back, and they rebuild the temple. They build a second temple. After Solomon's temple, they build a second temple. And God said, follow me, and I will be with you. And it lasted about 450 years until 70 AD when the Romans came in and destroyed the second temple. And that second temple sat, go ahead and show the second picture. It's a wide area where this is. That's called the Temple Mount. And is literally the location of the Jewish temple. And they missed their opportunity to follow God. This is such a sacred place for the Jews. Do you know what else happened on this place? Anybody else for a thousand Bible trivia points? What else happened on this mountain here, this little mount? Anybody? Yeah, oh, thousand Bible points, whoever that was, you get it. Genesis chapter 22, it says this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered, take your son. He said, your only son. I told you this was a foreshadowing of Jesus, of God the Father, who would take his son, his only son, up onto the mountain called Golgotha, where he would stretch out his arms and be a sacrifice. This is a foreshadowing, God testing Abraham, and here's what he says. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. That place, can you go back to the Dome of the Rock picture? It is called Mount Moriah. That's Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. And there's one little piece. There's one little piece of the original wall that's left from the temple. Can you throw up that picture of the wall? It's called the Wailing Wall. You heard of the Wailing Wall? The Wailing Wall is the last remaining piece of the temple of the Jewish era and Jews to this day go and visit the wailing wall with hopes that one day they will build their new temple. They're planning their plans for the new temple. When Jesus comes back, this is like crazy end-time stuff, but Jesus is going to come back and he's going to reign from his new temple. Right? And so they have all they have all the plans already laid out over there. They have all of the artif- not the artifacts, but the vessels that go in, they're ready. They are ready to go. Um, you write little prayers on pieces of paper. and If you ever go over to Israel, which are, if you can ever go, they stick prayers in the walls, and they wail. They wail at this wall. And if you go off to the side, if you look to the left, there's a little bit of an opening. It's, an under, it's, a, it's a, like a little tunnel where devout Jewish men, women can't go in there, devout Jewish men, they're in there and they're praying. And when, when, when I went to Israel, we got to go in 2019, I went in there and I just pulled out my camera and took a video. You're not kind of supposed to do that, but the rebel in me said, I want to see this. And so I'll share it with you. Here's what's going on underneath there. So I think I was pretty indiscreet. I didn't stand out at all in there. I just blended right in. <laughs> they got the phylacteries on their, on their head where they have the Deuteronomy 6 passage. There is one God. And they're in there and they're, they're, they're wailing in lament. And you're like, why did this happen? Why is there a Muslim mosque there? Why did they miss it? God gave them the answer. God told Solomon, You're going to build a temple, but 1 Kings chapter 6, the word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for this temple, as for this temple you're building, listen, if. If you walk in my statutes and observe my ordinances and keep all my commandments by walking in them, I will fulfill my promise to you, which I made to your father, David. I will dwell among the Israelites and not abandon my people, Israel. But they didn't walk in them and they didn't obey the law or the statutes or the commandments. And they told God no, and they drifted spiritually. And God said, all right, fine. And he took his hands off the steering wheel of Israel. And in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed, and the Jewish people were scattered literally around the world. And for the next 1,900 years, they did not have a home. They did not have a nation. They did not have a land. And they were persecuted time and time and time again. Until 1948, when they were allowed to return back home and Israel became a sovereign nation again, which is huge in the end times timeline of understanding that God brought his people back home and now the clock is ticking again. And I pray that that's not us. I pray that it's not us that we miss this opportunity. That we kind of look at the checkbook and we're like, ah, no, I, I really, we, we were going to redo the kitchen. So sorry, next. Sorry, Lord. And that you would go honestly and sit with God and be willing to listen to what he says. It's a faith journey. It is a faith journey. I'm going to bring up one of our own to tell you about his faith journey. I'm going to invite Glenn Garris to come on up. And Glenn and Allison Garris, if you don't know them, Um, They own the Energy Station here in Harleysville, an amazing restaurant, but it hasn't always been easy. And so Glenn's going to tell you a little bit about his faith journey and how God walked with him through thick times.
1: Good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Glenn Garris. I've been asked to share a part of my story with you. My wife, Allison, and I own the Energy Station restaurant. So during the time that I talk, if you start feeling hungry, you know why. And just, just so you know, the address is 2710 Shelley Road, <laughs> just over here in Harleysville.
0: All y'all go there for lunch today. I
1: promise you, I'll be there if you go there. Okay. <laughs> not buying, he is.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I've been a believer for a long time, since age 12. Throughout my Christian life, uh, I, have ex- I have experienced times when my relationship with the Lord was not what it needed to be. Many times of backsliding, disobedience, and not tithing like I should. I was just doing things my own way, not seeking the Lord. One of those times changed my life in a powerful way during the period of 2008 to 2011, you may remember that the economy wasn't very good at all. Allison and I had three eating establishments during that period. We soon found ourselves deep in debt. Now I remember Allison and I were both believers, but we were doing things our own way with our own wisdom, not following God, not seeking his wisdom, not seeking his will, not giving God our first fruits. In 2011, we had to close two of our locations, going to our landlords, negotiate our way out of leases, paying out money we didn't have. We had to contact our vendors and bank to sit down with them and ask them for help and time to right our wrongs. God was already at work ahead of us, working in the hearts and minds of all of them. He was already slaying our giants. I was a very, it was a very humbling experience, very shameful and embarrassing and difficult to say the least. I remember the day it all came down upon us. Allison had said, how are we ever going to get through this? God allows difficulties in our lives to draw us to him, to change the direction we are headed. For me, the change was complete surrender to him. I had to turn it all over to him, not just our financial situation. I had to turn and surrender everything, my wife, my kids, my possessions, everything. God faithfully led us through that time. During that time, we learned to be committed to faithfully giving up our tithes no matter what. It wasn't always easy. I have many, many stories I can share how God has miraculously uh, done things that only He could do. I will share one of the stories with you today. We had received a 10-day shut-off notice from our power company. We had, had been on payment plans before, but this time they wouldn't do it. I had exhausted all of our options for coming up with the money. I remember praying to the Lord, I just don't know what to do. And it was a very low point in my life. While the 10th day arrived, the power company showed up to shut us off. It was a Friday morning. We were very busy. It was clearly the end of our rope. The guys went into the basement to shut us off. A few minutes went by. I was expecting the lights all to go out. The guys came up out of the basement and said to me, you're either the luckiest man in the world or someone's watching over you. He said we don't have the proper tool to shut your power off here it turns out the panel was so large that they needed a special wrench just to cut the power they said you have an eight-hour reprieve get on the phone and set up a payment plan which i had been turned down previously i went out to my truck and called again and this time i got someone willing to put us on a payment plan god was already in touch with that person and let them know what they had to do that was a turning point in my life it took 10 years but as of april 2021 we have paid off all those debts. Praise God Almighty, his faithful and true. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithes into this, my storehouse, that I may that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And one of the verses in the Bible, a few verses in the Bible that were very encouraging to us throughout the whole period was Isaiah 41.10-13. through so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgrace. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Though, you wage, though they wage war against you, they will be as nothing. For I am the Lord your God who takes a hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Thank
0: you. Okay. I want to make sure you caught what he said, is that it starts with surrender. It starts with surrender. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to surrender. It feels weak, and then you're not in control. and God's like, now I can come in and do." greater things than you can even begin to imagine. Before Solomon built the house, the temple, 400 years earlier, Moses, out in the middle of the desert, had to figure out how to build God's temporary house, right? This temporary tabernacle, this tent of meeting it was. And so he did the same thing. He called everybody together. And here's what he said. You can read it. It's in Exodus chapter 35. It says this, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, goat's hair, Tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, stones for setting, for the ephod, the breastplate. Like Basically, you're like, bring bring what you got. Just, just bring it. We're making God a house out here in the middle of the desert. And it's interesting how the people responded. You can read about it in the next chapter. Let me just highlight it. It says this, they received from Moses, this is the, the workers, all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. It's going to make this temporary thing. And they still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and they said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained now from bringing, for the material that they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. I'm praying for that one to happen for us. That I got to stand up here in a month and be like, y'all, just stop. Stop. We're good. We got it. They don't need to bring any more. What a testimony that would be to what God is doing in our midst. How exciting would that be? Somebody asked their worship team to come. I'm not giving you a number. You know, if somebody had an idea, why don't you take how many people in the church, 3.2 million, divide it up, there's a number. We're not going to do that because I don't want to give you a number. And I don't want you to have a number. I want you, I'm, honestly, I want you to sit with God for the next three weeks. Sit with the Lord. This is what we're asking you to do. I want you to do these three things. Let me remind you again. Go ahead, throw that slide up if you would. Seek the Lord as to how you're going to step by faith spiritually and sacrificially into this key point in our history. Be a part of it. I pray we wouldn't miss it. I pray we wouldn't be like Israel that looks back in their unfaithfulness and they missed the opportunity. Number two, I just want you to listen. I want you to listen to what the Lord is saying over the next three weeks. And then the last thing I want you to do, and this is the most important, I just want you to obey what God says. Do what our Father tells you to do, whatever that is, and He will be faithful going to be a good journey, church, because we have a good God who I'm convinced is not done doing big God things. So let's keep being in the church together. So Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. And we pray, Lord, that we would be stretched by faith. God, show us what you're calling us to be and to do. Increase our faith muscles. Forgive us when we're weak. And when we act fleshly, and God, I pray that we would have a bigger perspective of your kingdom and building it rather than building our kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's close in